Hey everyone, my name is Brian Boker and I serve as college pastor at Mikado Baptist Church in Macon, Georgia. I want to personally welcome you to the Mikado College podcast. This podcast was created to provide content in the form of messages, talks, and conversations that help accomplish our church's mission to declare the gospel, disciple believers, and do the work of the ministry. I'm excited and expectant about what God is doing in the lives of students and young adults in our church. And I pray this podcast will provide a measure of encouragement and renewed purpose for your life. I think it's really cool how um, we have students up front and um, people taking ownership of different traditions that we have and reading the scripture. And that's encouraging for me to see. Um, encouraging always to hear background stories on the students that come here every week. Of course, we had Jordan tonight. Many of you have been to Student Spotlight. Some have not, so maybe, uh, maybe it'll be soon. Uh, looking forward to that as well. Um, if we haven't met, because we have a couple of guests here tonight, my name is Brian, and um, I have the privilege, honor, uh, it's very humbling to, to be the college pastor here. And just to give you a little bit of history of our college ministry, um, it's pretty new. Uh, it really is. It's been around for a while with different people leading uh, in volunteer roles, um, but as far as like a full-time emphasis, college ministry, reaching out to local campuses, it's, it's pretty new. Um, so it's exciting to see what God's doing. Um, I'm excited every single week to see new people coming, people that come back, uh, bringing friends. That's always exciting to me too. And, and I hope that you came hungry. Uh, something we place a high premium on here is opening the Word and learning from the Word. And I try to have a lot of scripture for us to go to. Um, I put some on the screen, and then we also turn to some. I'm a huge fan of actually turning to the passages, looking at the passages, um, for, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but many times, I've looked at a passage that a, a preacher is, is looking at, and I'll see a verse above that passage or below it, and that actually speaks to me. So going to the passages of scripture uh, is really important, too. We're starting, and I'm excited about our series uh, for March. Uh, on mental health. And we did this last year, and we'll probably cover some of the same topics, maybe some new topics as well, go at kind of a different angle on some of those uh, issues. But the whole month of March, we'll have our mental health series. Uh, for tonight, uh, we are going to talk about battling insecurity, which kind of goes hand in hand with that. The reason I didn't want to start our series uh, right off this week is because we have our student serve night next week. So we'll be upstairs with like over 100 kids, you know, just going nuts that the college students are there. And we'll be playing games with them and helping with small groups. And um, hope you've signed up to serve somewhere. So that's next Wednesday. Looking forward um, to that. So recently on uh, Instagram, you, you have different reels and your algorithms. Mainly mine is a lot of golf videos and, and different things. But it is so interesting to me, and I think this is becoming more and more popular, that you see people who post different reels and you're like, I do that. You know, like I'm not the only one to do that. Uh, just some that come off the top of my head is the person that washes their hands in the sink after they do every little thing in the kitchen. If you're cooking like this guy, you know, it's like a shot with them doing something in the kitchen on the counter and then their hand just doing this under the sink, you know, and then going back and doing that on the sink. Like I definitely do that. Then I saw one the other day. It said, if you're married to somebody who, cause I'm one who, when I am cooking in the kitchen, when I'm done with something goes back in the fridge or when I'm done with the utensil, it goes in the sink. My wife, on the other hand, it's like, all right, we're cooking this. When we're done, we'll clean it all up. So it's like all over the counter and that kind of thing. It's just different personalities. So on Instagram, it's this real of this person like just going nuts, you know, because everything's all over the, uh, the counter. And then the most recent one, and maybe you saw this one, it was a guy who is like on Friday night, 9 p.m., 
going to bed, like, <laughs> like I do all of those things. Like, you don't have any plans, you know. You're just, like, super excited about going to bed at 9 o'clock. And you're, like, fluffing the pillow up, you know, getting down in the sheets or whatever. Maybe you've seen that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I connect with that. So sometimes we think we're the only ones who do something. You know, those are some silly examples, but you're not. You're not the only one who thinks a certain way, who acts a certain way, who does a certain thing, who has a certain tick. You're not. And when it comes to battling um, insecurity, if that's something you struggle with, you're not alone. And it's not just a guy issue, and it's not just a girl issue. It's a people issue. It's a human issue. And we struggle it with different settings and different ways. And so I want to talk about that tonight, and I hope that it will help you. It's one of these things that we don't verbalize a whole lot. You know, we really don't want to tell somebody, like, yeah, I'm feeling really insecure right now. Maybe you're very open and you do that, you know, with people. But for the most part, it's something we kind of keep on the inside when it comes to being um, insecure. The definition of insecurity is this, if you're taking notes. It's anxious thoughts that lead to feelings of low self-esteem or self-confidence. Anxious thoughts, so it starts in your mind, um, and then that leads to low self-esteem or low confidence. Now, the thing about confidence is, what is your source of confidence in? So people have confidence in all kinds of different things. Some people are confident because of their looks, or they're confident because they're at the weight that they want to be at, or they're confident because they have a lot of ability, like they're athletic, or you know, they have skills in a lot of different areas, and it's just like, you know anybody like that? Like anything they do, they just seem to be really good at it, right? So they have a lot of abilities. So some people put their confidence in their abilities and it kind of carries them along. Their looks, their weight, um, an, athlete, an athletic team, so a status or a certain friend group or a certain fraternity or sorority. So that status gives that person, quote unquote, confidence to make it through each and every day. Um, possessions, insecurity will come if that's our source of confidence because that's temporary confidence, right? So you won't always have the ability that you have. You won't always have the looks that you have. You won't always be a part of that certain friend group. Not, not always because life takes you different ways and you'll be a part of another group or another community or those kind of things. So if your confidence is in that, it will lead to insecurity. Some of the most confident people on the outside actually struggle the most with insecurity on the inside. So the people that you see that it looks like, man, they got it together, or they're super confident, or they know what they're doing. Actually, those people, a lot of the time, struggle with insecurity more than others because it's that insecurity that makes them almost put forth more effort to show that confidence. Just something interesting there. As a believer, we'll put a scripture up on the screen. As a believer, uh, we should be comfortable in our own skin because of who dwells within so 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, the, the specific context of that passage is to abstain from sexual immorality. And it says, don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Like, if you're a believer, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. So I'll say that again. As a believer, we should be comfortable in our own, in our own skin, not because of our ability or our looks or our status, but because of who dwells within. And if you've ever been around somebody like that, like they're comfortable with who they are because of who they know, they're a really fun person to be around. Like they know who they are because they know in whom they believed, and that's Jesus. And that gives them the source of their confidence no matter what stage of life they're in, no matter what community they're in, or no matter what other areas of life that they're in. 
you're taking notes, I would write this down. What we need is spirit confidence, not self-confidence. I think I told, I gave this example uh, a few months ago, but I just discovered Gottwald books um, not too long ago, and I've been back several times since because all these books that I'm really interested in, they have stacks and shelves packed. Like, it's actually hard to get through, but they're super cheap. So I'm a history nut, you know, and I'm like going down the history aisle and that kind of thing. I'm like, I can get all of these, buy 10, you get 10 free or something like that. There's a whole aisle, and it is jam-packed with books on how to have self-confidence or how to have self-esteem or how, how to build yourself up, which I get all of that. But as a believer, we need more spirit confidence because of who's dwelling within us. Insecurity will consume your thoughts and own your thoughts, which dictate how you function. So if you struggle with insecurity, you won't take certain steps that maybe you need to take because you're insecure. Or you won't have a conversation with somebody because you're insecure. Maybe about your faith. Maybe about your looks. Maybe about your abilities. So you're like, I'm just not going to to do that. So actually, you may not be able to reach your full potential for Christ because of insecurity. And it all starts with your thoughts. And that translates to your actions. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 tells us to take our thoughts captive. In battling insecurity, you're not alone. So there's three areas I want to discuss tonight when it comes to insecurity and how to realize that you're not alone in that. The first area is self-insecurity. Secondly, sin insecurity. And then thirdly, salvation insecurity. So when it comes to self-insecurity, um, the, the first area that people struggle with is their image. And I've had this scripture on the screen for a little bit, but Psalm 139 verse 14 says, I will praise thee, this is David speaking, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are thy works. There are other people that I'm sure were a little bit insecure because of their image, and that was David. So he was just a shepherd, and his brothers were a lot better looking than him, more handsome, stronger, taller, everything that you would think a king would look like. And Samuel goes to anoint the next king, and they go down the line of all of David's brothers, and Samuel's like, this has got to be the one, and God says no, and he says no, and he says no. And then there's no more brothers standing there, and Samuel asked uh, David's dad, Jesse, he says, do you have any other sons? Because none of these guys I'm looking at are the chosen king. Well, yeah, we got David, but he's a shepherd. You want me to go get him? Yeah, go get him. And God said he's the one because God looks on the inside and man looks on the outside. And it's so interesting because David's the one who wrote Psalm 139, 14. People struggle with self-insecurity because of their image, because of what they look like because of what they see in the mirror, because of what they see in pictures, because of a comparison. So 1 Peter 5.8 says that Satan is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I think one of the reasons people struggle with their image is because they are fueled by comparison. And if that's a struggle, then the enemy will use that to ruin someone's life. You should be in Exodus chapter 4. I want to reread verses 10 through 17, and give you some context there. Olivia read that for us a little bit earlier. But when it comes to self-insecurity, many people struggle with their image, how they, how they look. Secondly, though, people struggle with their ability. You're not alone in that. I am so thankful that there are examples in Scripture of people that God called to do amazing things that were like, I can't do this. Moses was one of those. Gideon was one of those. David was one of those. 
Mary was one of those, the one who had Jesus. She's like, why is the Lord coming to me to have this child? I mean, she was very insecure in that. By the way, she was a virgin too, so that probably played a factor into her saying, I can't have a kid, right? But Mary felt that. Look at Exodus 4. So Moses uh, has um, been in the wilderness. He left Egypt. He grew up in Egypt, and he left Egypt. And now God is calling him to go back to Egypt. Look at verse 10. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither herefore nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. So he's saying, I can't even speak that well, and you're wanting me to lead millions of people, and I'm a terrible speaker. Like They wouldn't even be able to understand me, and it would make me be embarrassed. That's what he's saying there. Look at verse 11. And the Lord said unto him, Who made man's mouth? I love these rhetorical questions by God. He did this with Job too. Who made man's mouth? You did. Who makes the dumb, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Verse 12, Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach thee what you will say. Verse 13, He said, O my Lord, sin, I pray you by the hand of him who wilt thou sin. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. Like, I know that Aaron's a, a better speaker than you. I already know that. I'm calling you for something specifically. Aaron's going to be with you as well. He says, And also, behold, he cometh forth to meet you, and when he sees you, he'll be glad in his heart. Verse 15, And thou shalt speak unto him and put words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you what you shall do. Verse 17, Thou shalt take this rod in thy hand, wherewith thou go to do signs. So when it comes to your ability, self-insecurity can be present, but God's the one who made you. God's the one who's given you ability. God's the one who's given you The way that you look, God's the one who's given you a background. God's the one who created you and designed you. And so he's encouraging Moses in that, and he's encouraging us with that as well. Lastly, when it comes to self-insecurity, I think the fear of men and what others think of you, that can fuel self-insecurity. So when Jesus was present and he called his disciples and he was calling others to follow him, there was a certain group of people known as the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. And it says in the, the book of John that many of them believed on Jesus. They believed his words, but they didn't confess him because they were scared about being thrown out of the synagogue by the other Pharisees. And so they just kind of let it go. They didn't want to confess him. They didn't want to truly believe on him. They, they thought that he was the truth, but they, in a sense, rejected him because they were more scared of what the people would do kicking them out of the synagogue then they would be following Jesus. So I think a fear of men, I think a fear of what others think, that can fuel self-insecurity as well. I already mentioned this verse, but I think Satan will use this to destroy us. It says, be sober. That just means to be alert. Like, be alert, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, seeks about seeking whom he may devour. When you're really hungry, you devour a meal. You know, it's not like you just pick at it. If you ate, like during missions conference, I feel like all we did was take missionaries and we ate. And then we ate again. Like we went to Taki. If you've ever been there, Hibachi Steakhouse, whatever. You always have instant regret when you're walking into the parking lot back to your car at Taki because you're like, I ate too much. I said I wasn't going to, and I did. So we ate at like 1 o'clock. And then we were like, all right, we're going to meet back at 5.30 and eat because our services are at 7. And so at those meals, you're just kind of like picking. You're not starving, right? But then you have those meals where you just devour it. Satan is looking for someone to devour, not just mess with, not just toy with, but devour. 
And if he can do that with you when it comes to insecurity, self-insecurity, when it comes to your image, when it comes to your ability, when it comes to you wanting to please people rather than please God, then he is going to use that to destroy you. He's going to. He's going to attack you in that way. Here's the way that you battle self-insecurity. So I'm going to give you a little bit of content here with each one and then how to battle that. Go with me to Galatians chapter 2. So the New Testament, a letter of Paul, Galatians chapter 2. Here's how you battle self-insecurity. You believe what God says about you. You believe what the Bible says about you. That you're created in the image of God, that you're valuable, that you have intrinsic value, and that you have self-worth. Like you believe that because God said that about you, right? And if, if you're a, a believer, you're a child of God, and you're no longer a slave to sin and to shame. So Galatians 2.20 tells us that. This gives us our identity, which is a lot, a lot of people struggle with that today. Not necessarily just gender identity, but just who they are in general. Like who they are. We're trying to figure that out. I've heard people say, like, I've got to take a year and go find myself. Like, I've got to figure out who I am. Okay, as a child of God, I have this verse underlined in my Bible. Galatians 2.20 tells you who you are. So it says this, I am crucified with Christ. That's some strong language. Like, I am crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. So I'm not dead. I'm still living. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he says, I'm crucified with Christ, but I'm still living, but it's not me anymore. It's the one who indwells me that's living through me. So the way that you battle self-insecurity is you believe what God says about you. You're created in the image of God with intrinsic value to him. Secondly, we can be tempted to have sin insecurity. Go with me now to the um, book of James, just a few books over from Galatians, the book of James. So when it comes to sin and security, this can lead to shame. It can lead to shame. I want to give you some reasons why we have this. First of all, it's because sometimes we don't voice it. Like we keep it all internally. We don't voice it. If you actually voiced it, you realize that other people have the same struggles you do. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's anger. Maybe that's something you really struggle with is Anger, like it doesn't take much. Like I've, I've known people like that. It just, it doesn't take much. And then I know people who are very, very patient. I'm like, I wish I had their patience. You know, it would just, it would make my life a lot easier, right? Maybe you really struggle in different areas and you're like, man, I'm probably the only one who struggles in this area with this specific thing. But it's because you haven't verbalized that and realized, oh, they struggle with it too. They struggle with it too. They do too. And it would surprise you the amount of people that actually would. So when it comes to sin insecurity, that can lead to shame because we internalize that. The, the first reason that we have sin and security is this. We have a feeling of loneliness, like we're the only one who deals with it. But James chapter 5, look at verse 16. All right, so James is wrapping up his letter to the churches here. James is called the Proverbs of the New Testament. It's super practical. I think we don't do this as much as we should. Look what it says in verse 16. Confess your faults one to another. Now, a caveat, you should do that with people you trust. I don't think you should just air everything to everybody. That's not wise. That's not wisdom. But to have four or five people, and I would count on one hand, really, four or five people, two or three people, all right, that you know you can go to and do James 5, 16. 
Do you have somebody like that in your life? Okay. Now, I have a, a built-in person I can do that with, and that is my spouse. I have my parents I can do that with. I have accountability partners that I, that I started with in college, and we still text each other back and forth. Do you have somebody you do James 5.16 with? Confess your faults one to another. And pray for one another. Do you do that? Let's keep reading. It says this, that you may be healed. And then I love the end of verse 16, okay? So you need to find a person who is striving to please the Lord. It says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Like it, it actually works. So somebody who's pursuing the Lord, somebody who's pursuing holiness, somebody who's pursuing right, when you confess your faults and you have accountability and you're working together and praying for each other, that actually works. But there's a caveat on who that person needs to be. Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 also tells us to bear one another's burdens, and we fulfill the law of Christ. If we live these verses out, we would quickly discover we are not the only ones who go through the things that others go through. Secondly, the feeling of loneliness leads to sin insecurity, but then also having the wrong strategy leads to sin insecurity. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. There's two parts of that verse, because sometimes we want to do the right thing. Like we desire it, but God's the one who helps you to do it, not you. It's the reason we keep falling into the same sins or the reason we keep being insecure is because we think that we have to try harder. I heard this one time and I never forgot it. We got to quit trying harder and, and start trusting deeper. Quit trying harder because then you get discouraged. All right, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do better. And then when you mess up, you're even more discouraged, right? So that verse says that God is the one who gives you the will, all right, I, I want to do the right thing, and then he allows you to actually do the right thing or have that confidence in him. So that's the right strategy to battle sin and security, not to just try to do it better on your own, not tell, not tell anybody, not get any accountability, not get any help, I'll just do this, I'll take care of it, it'll be fine. That's not the right strategy to have. It's to go to God, it's to go to others that you trust. We have to have the right strategy. We have to harness the power that is already in us as Christians. But then number three, when it comes to sin and security, I think sometimes we have that because we have a wrong view of God. Go to John chapter 8, one of my most favorite stories in the New Testament. John chapter 8. So in John chapter 8, there's a, um, there's a woman who's caught in adultery. And the Bible says that she was caught in the very act. So that had to be very embarrassing for her. So the Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus, okay? And there's crowds there. Like you read John 7, Jesus has already been teaching a lot of people, and there's a lot of people around. So anytime the Pharisees wanted to uh, ask Jesus a question or present him with a situation, it was never with the intent of like getting Jesus to, to give them an answer where they're like, wow, that, that's really good. It was always with the intent of getting Jesus to say something that contradicted another teaching. Or to get him to say something that, you know, make a headline in the Jerusalem Times. You know, like they could take or clickbait. That's how we would use it today. Like, Jesus said this, so now it negates everything else he said. So they catch this woman in adultery, and they drag her through the street to Jesus. She has committed adultery. She has done that. So they take her to Jesus, and if you read in John 8 about the, the, the beginning of that chapter there, they say, um, what should we do? Should we stone her? Should we kill her? Or should we let her go? What say you? So they put the ball in Jesus' court to see what he would say. 
And of course, they're doing that, tempting him, trying to get him to do something that would contradict, like we just talked about. Jesus looks at the woman, and he looks back at the men, and these are religious leaders, okay? People who are supposed to be squeaky clean on the outside and on the inside, doing right, know the scripture, all of that. And he tells them, he says, okay, one of you who has committed the, or who hasn't committed this sin, and if you look at that translation there, like what Jesus is actually saying, he's actually saying like the same sin, adultery. But we also know this from Jesus' words, that we can commit adultery and we commit murder by hating somebody. We can commit adultery in our heart by lusting after someone. So Jesus took it to another level. Moses said, don't commit adultery. But I say unto you, if you look at a woman to lust after her, you've committed adultery already. So he tells these men who want this woman killed and just want to make Jesus look like a fool. He says, all right, those of you that haven't committed this sin, go ahead and throw the first rock. And the Bible says that Jesus bent down and started writing in the ground. I have no idea what he wrote. Be pretty interested to see what he wrote. People have speculated what he wrote, but we don't know. He just started like drawing in the sand, maybe doodling in the sand or whatever. One by one, the Bible says in John 8 that a man dropped his rock, and then the next one dropped his rock, and the next one dropped his rock, and then by the time it was over, nobody was there anymore when Jesus stood up from drawing on the ground. And I want to take you to John 8, verse um, 10. And the, the Bible says that it went from the oldest to the youngest of the religious leaders. So the young guys are just waiting to see what these other guys are going to do. And then they're all gone. Look at verse 10. When Jesus had lifted himself and he saw none but the woman, so it's just him and her, he said unto her, Where are your accusers? Have no man condemned thee? Verse 11. Which can you imagine, you know, the shame, insecurity uh, situation that this woman was in? She said, No man, Lord. I love what Jesus says. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, there's two parts there, okay? Jesus says, I don't condemn you either. Do you know that in this story of John 8, Jesus was the only one who could have condemned her. And he was the one that didn't condemn her. So we have freedom in Christ. Now, the second part of that verse says, go and sin no more. Like, stop sinning. Don't do it again. Sometimes we like to just stop, like, I don't condemn you either. And sometimes we focus too much on go and sin no more. But Jesus said both. He said, I don't condemn you. And he's the only one who could have go and sin no more because he wanted her to live a holy life. He desires us to live a holy life. He wants that for us. But I think sometimes we can battle sin insecurity because we have a wrong view of God. We feel like God is after us. We feel like that mercy has run out. We feel like the forgiveness has run out. We feel like the grace has run out. But Jesus says to us as well, I don't condemn you either. Go and sin no more. So when it comes to insecurity, self-insecurity, we battle that by believing what God says about us. We battle sin insecurity by confessing your sin of God to God. There's a few parts here. Confessing your sin to God, your need for God. I think there's two parts of confession. God, I still need you, and I did wrong. Like That's what confession is. It's saying the same thing about your sin that God says about it. Confessing your need for God. Confessing your sins to one another, not for forgiveness, but for support. So God's the one that forgives sin. In Psalm 51, when David committed adultery with Bathsheba, he says, against you and you only have I sinned. So we only sin against God. He's the one that can forgive sin, but we ask others for forgiveness and we, ask, and we confess our sins to others for support. 
but then also harness the power of Scripture to help with sin and security. Number three, we all can sometimes face salvation insecurity. Go to 1 John chapter 5. So the same guy who wrote the Gospel of John wrote 1 John as well. It's a little bit different because this is a letter to the churches. The Gospel of John is, of course, an account of Jesus' life. But 1 John chapter 5, I want to read verses 12 through 13. Some of us may struggle with image insecurity. Some of us may struggle more with sin insecurity and then salvation insecurity. I think there are some causes of why we can struggle with this idea of being saved. Like wondering if we're saved. Doubt can creep in. It can, for different reasons. I think doubts can creep in maybe because of a sin issue. Maybe because we're not in fellowship with God as we should be. Maybe because we're believing a lie that the enemy has told us and we're not going to the Scripture, the source of truth. So the Bible is not just a book that we read just to make us feel better. The Bible is the source of truth everlasting truth, and it, and it gets deep into your soul, the Bible says about itself. So I think we doubt sometimes because we go everywhere else except the source of truth. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is, of course, a, a verse that I would, will go to when I'm sometimes doubting my own salvation because newsflash for you, I may be the college pastor in Mikado, but there are days that I wake up and I don't necessarily feel saved. Like, I ain't feeling it. But thankfully, salvation is not based on feeling, it's based on fact. So when I have those feelings, I go to Romans 8.1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But 1 John 5, 12-13 would be a good one too. Look at it with me. It says this. He that hath the Son, capital S, so that's referring to Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Verse 13. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you, may, that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. I underline that word know in my Bible. Like, we can actually know it. I think salvation and security, first of all, is because of doubt. Secondly, sin issues that can cause a lack of fellowship with the Lord. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then, also, salvation and security can make us struggle with sharing our faith. If you're insecure about something, if you're just insecure about like the way you look or the way you talk or that kind of thing, then you're not going to want to talk to a whole lot of people because you think, man, they probably think I am an idiot. And that's probably not what they're thinking at all. <laughs> like we imagine that people are thinking certain things that they're probably not thinking at all. We just imagine it. And I'm saying that from experience. I really am. Okay. So that's one thing. But when it comes to not being sure of your faith, like, if you're not confident in your faith, you're like, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. That's really going to keep you from sharing your faith. It really is. So, again, if the enemy can use that to make you doubt, then he can't take your salvation. But he can make you less effective for Christ because you're not sharing your faith, because you're not as confident in it. So, sharing your faith is vital, but we won't do that if we have salvation insecurity. If you're not fully convinced, or excuse me, if you are fully convinced in your mind of your salvation, you'll have no problem sharing it. The way that you battle salvation and security is this. You claim the promises of God, and you have a Bible reason for why you're saved, even when you don't feel like it. So salvation and security can be beaten with that. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, The, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I think what insecurity does sometimes is it robs us of joy. It robs us of happiness. 
It robs us of the life that God wants us to live. Now, someone who doesn't know the Lord is not living the life that God created them to live. So sin separates us from God. That's why we needed a Savior. And so as we accept Jesus, now that relationship is restored of what God always intended. Like, salvation is more than just going to heaven. That's a great result. I'm looking forward to that. I have loved ones in heaven that I'm looking forward to seeing. I have loved ones in heaven that I know are there that I actually never met that I'm looking forward to meeting. I have Bible heroes that I am looking forward to like, you know, I read your story a thousand times, you know, and and taught on it. And we talked about you, Moses, and that kind of thing. You know, they're actually there. It's a real place. You know, you're actually going to get to see Jesus, the one that we talk about all the time. Like, that's an awesome result of salvation. But more than that, Salvation is now finally living the life you were intended to live always. But sin separated you from God. That's why you need a savior for that redeemer restoration, right? But the joy of the Lord, Nehemiah says, is your strength and insecurity when it comes to your self-image, when it comes to sin, and when it comes to salvation will rob you of that. And that is not what God wants for us. For some of us, I would say most of us, we feel the most insecure when we look in the mirror or when we look at a picture of ourselves that we can't stand. Okay, Guys, if you don't know this, you're already behind. Girls have a good side when it comes to pictures. I got to get on my good side, Okay, whichever side that is, all right? Guys, after we eat, you know, and we're taking a family picture, okay, afterwards, and we go to that talkie and, and just stuff our faces. We're all sucking in, you know, we're like turning sideways to look a little bit better in the picture because we look at a picture like, man, that makes me look terrible. Or if you're the first one in the picture and everybody else is behind you and it just makes you look a lot bigger than the other people behind you, like we see a picture of ourselves and that makes us feel insecure. We look in the mirror in the morning and sometimes we feel insecure. We look in the mirror in the middle of the day or at night before we go to bed. Because that, honestly, that's the last thing you do before you go to bed. You're brushing your teeth, you're looking in the mirror. What do you think? What do you see? What do you feel? What do you imagine? Is it the image that you struggle with? Is it the sin that you struggle with? Because some people, when they look in the mirror, they just see shame. Can't believe I did that. Can't believe I said that. Can't believe I acted that way. Can't believe I went there. And so they're looking at themselves in the mirror right before they go to bed that night with whatever they did that day, and they're shame. Or they look in the mirror and they don't like the way they look because they've spent hours on social media seeing what everybody else looks like. And they're like, I wish I looked like that. Or I wish I had that ability. Or I wish I was in that friend group. Or I wish I was a part of that community. So the mirror, when we look in that, that gives us insecurity. The book of James, and then also the book of Philippians, says the Bible, it compares the Bible to a mirror. So James in uh, chapter 4 he talks about um, uh, beholding yourself in a glass, okay, which in that time, they didn't have mirrors like we have, so they would use a, a piece of glass that they could see their reflection, and they would see what they would look like, okay, and then fix whatever they had to fix and then go away. So James compares the Scripture to a mirror. It shows us who we are. Now, it shows us that we need a Savior, but it also tells us who we are in Christ, So I would encourage you with this. When you are tempted to feel insecure, go to the more important mirror. Instead of the mirror in your bathroom or in your room or wherever it is, or if you turn your phone camera around to see what you look like, you know, multiple times a day or whatever, pictures, instead of going to that mirror and maybe feeling insecure, go to the more important mirror and read about 
who you are, and more importantly than that, whose you are. Whose you are. Christ, God's, a child of God as a believer. That's more important. And if you do that, this will give you a security that never fails. So as we get prepared for our mental health series in March, we talk about anxiety, depression, loneliness, uh, self-harm, suicide. It's so vital to, first of all, believe who the Bible says that you are and go to that source of truth and not negate it. Don't make the Bible your last resort. Make the Bible your first resort because that, again, gives you the security that never fails. Let me pray for us. God, I thank you for the attention of those in the room, and I I pray that this has been a help to them as this is something that I've had to battle. This is something that I think to a degree uh, we all battle, Um, whether it's image, whether it is uh, sin and feeling shame because of sin, uh, a past sin that was a long time ago or last week. Uh, We all can feel shame sometimes because of that. But Lord, we feel that shame because of having a wrong view of, of you, or not confessing it, or not having someone to go to and to talk talk to, through it with. Lord, I pray that each one in the room tonight will realize that they're not alone, um, that other people uh, struggle with the exact same things, other people have the same struggles. Um, Lord, I thank you that we have so many passages of Scripture in your Word that gives us assurance for our salvation. We don't have to wonder about that. Uh, we don't have to be concerned about it. Um, your Word tells us if we believe and if we have faith in what Jesus did for us, um, then we are saved. And then we can grow in our walk with you. I pray that we'll do that. Lord, for somebody in the room tonight that is struggling with a specific issue, I pray that they will um, to get that settled, um, that they'll verbalize that, um, that they'll talk through it with somebody that they trust. Um, and then most importantly, that they'll go uh, to you. Um, I thank you for being a good God. And I thank you for this college ministry and those that are here tonight. Uh, be with us as we go our separate ways to our dorms, to our homes, um, whatever else we have planned for tonight. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mikado College podcast. If you were in the Middle Georgia area and you don't have a church, we would love to get a chance to meet you. You can find more information about our church at MikadoBaptist.org. You can also stay up to date with our college ministry by following us on Instagram at Mikado College, and we would love to follow you back. I hope this episode encouraged you today and it was enough of a blessing for you to subscribe so you don't miss the next one. If it helped you, it will probably help someone else. So send the link to a friend.